0: Buzzard writes in, are you only going to harp on the players you were right about? Ever thought about giving advice about a player not named Dante Moncrief? Yes, I've thought about it. And I've decided against it. Because what you saw on Monday night was Dante Moncrief running every route. Talk about the route tree. The in, the out, the deep passes, the short passes, and then all those Routes that require nuance. The back shoulder throw. The crisp in. The rounded in. The speed out. The crisp comeback. We've seen Dante Moncrief run all kinds of routes going back to last year. We've seen him run the post corner well. There's no limit to what he can do on the football field. He can run every route in the playbook. And you saw them deploy him all over the field. The Colts posted up Andre Johnson at the flanker position. That's what they did. And we didn't know what the Colts were going to do headed into the season. Were they going to post up Andre Johnson at flanker? Were they going to slide T.Y. Hilton into the slot in three receiver sets and have Philip Dorsett out wide as a stretch X receiver? No, that's not what they're going to do. They are going to post up Andre Johnson at flanker and they're going to flip-flop T.Y. Hilton and Dante Moncrief, which is really smart. This is what I was hoping they would do. This is what I was assuming they would do before the NFL draft happened, and Ryan Grigson, the worst general manager in the NFL, decided to use first-round draft capital on a redundant asset in Philip Dorsett. Philip Dorsett, a receiver I like, but redundant nonetheless with T.Y. Hilton. That's why he's not really playing even though Philip Dorsett did have six targets on Monday night. So Philip Dorsett is someone to monitor, someone to stash. If T.Y. Hilton goes down again or something happens to Dante Moncrief, no, 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 please, no, don't even say that. Why did I say that? Oh, God, bad idea. Then Philip Dorsett becomes a screaming pickup, for sure. Easy pickup, auto pickup. But now the Colts have revealed to us what they're going to do. Depending on the play call, they're going to put Dante Moncrief either out at the X position on the line of scrimmage, split out wide, or they're going to slide him into the slot. They also played Dante Moncrief in one receiver sets, trying to get him the ball. It was beautiful. The the idea that Dante Moncrief would be out there for 75-plus percent of the snaps and run such a diverse route tree is why I am so confident that he will be a wide receiver, too, in fantasy, With wide receiver one upside. Because that's what teams do with their number one receivers. That's how teams deploy their number one receivers. We like our number one receivers to look like Julio Jones. So they can be deployed all over the formation. So they can play every down. So that offensive coordinators can use them and play the matchups. Because this is a queen chess piece. You want the queen chess piece. That's what Julio Jones is. That's what Demarius Thomas is. They're the queen chess piece. The size and the speed and the agility and the understanding of the nuances of the position allow them to be deployed at anywhere at any time and be an advantage for the offense. Be a matchup nightmare for the defense. That's what Dante Moncrief represents for the Colts. And they have realized that and they're using him as such. That's why we've ranked him where we've ranked him. And in fantasy, in dynasty, I get the question. Well... He's still not better than Sammy Watkins. <laughs> what? Sammy Watkins? Are we still talking about Sammy Watkins? We're still talking about him like like he's ever going to be a wide receiver one in fantasy? That ship has sailed, brother! That ship has sailed! His quarterback's Tyrod Taylor. I hear Ty God. Yeah, Ty God. Yeah. Heard similar stuff about Terrell Pryor in years past. I like Tyrod Taylor. I like him as a streaming option. I like him as a late-round quarterback. I own Tyrod Taylor probably 80% of my leagues. I'm a Tyrod Taylor fan, but I like Tyrod Taylor as a fantasy player. I don't like Tyrod Taylor because of what he can do for Sammy Watkins. Tyrod Taylor is a net negative for Sammy Watkins. If Sammy Watkins had an elite NFL quarterback, if Sammy Watkins were on Pittsburgh, we could start having a conversation about Sammy Watkins. There would be a lot of hope in what Sammy Watkins could do in a high-volume offense with a great quarterback. But just being on Buffalo banishes Sammy Watkins right out right from the get-go. And then you also have the problem that he was overrated from the beginning. So you have an overrated player without a quarterback. Okay. yeah, That's not a player that's comparable to Dante Moncrief. What I just laid out to you is what Dante Moncrief is and will be, as opposed to Sammy Watkins. Not running every route in the route tree. Not having Andrew Luck as his quarterback. It's Apples and oranges at this point. They're not even remotely comparable. The 2014 draft and the 2014 draft scouting reports that we are all remembering and some people are using more than others to continue to evaluate dynasty receivers. Yet yeah, th- those are very old at this point. I understand that draft happened only 16 months ago, but it's been a long time. The Sammy Watkins scouting report is the definition of obsolete at this point. So we're moving on. We're evaluating the players as they are at this moment. We're not going back to into the archives and dusting off some irrelevant scouting report to do our evaluations and to create our dynasty rankings. The dynasty rankings on playerprofiler.com will be out soon. They're coming, I promise. I'm pretty busy right now, in case you didn't realize that. <laughs> pretty busy time. <laughs> But here's what happens to players like Sammy Watkins. And this is why, in trade, oftentimes, when you're having a dynasty conversation, the way that you evaluate players and talk about value is, what pick would you give in next year's draft in exchange for player X? What pick in the first round of next year's draft would you give for Dante Moncrief? And I'm like, at least any first rounder you want, plus more, it's Dante Moncrief we're talking about. This guy is a top 10, maybe top 5 dynasty receiver at this point. He has one of the most exciting playmaker profiles in the NFL. Plus he's tethered to Andrew Luck and he's 22 years old. It's, it's really a very simple thesis when you, when you lay it out like that, isn't it? So yes, of course I will give you my first round pick. It doesn't matter what slot it is next year. The question is, what more do you want besides any first-round pick next year? You might say, well, if you give up the first overall 1.01, you could potentially be giving up the next Sammy Watkins or the next Amari Cooper or the next Todd Gurley or the next Bishop Sankey. Yeah, and? Okay, he's better than all those guys. And what? Think about the offenses those teams are on. Tennessee, Oakland, Buffalo. That's the problem. St. Louis. That's a problem. That's the prospect paradox. It's very, this doesn't get discussed nearly enough. The problem with college prospects and the problem in Dynasty with rookies is that the best rookies, the most talented rookies end up on the Titans and the Rams and the Bills and the Raiders and the Jaguars and the Browns. That's where those players end up. It's a talent paradox. It's a prospect paradox. You're always weighing this. Do I want Jordan Matthews on the Eagles or do I want Sammy Watkins on the Bills? This, These are decisions that you had to make last year. These were the same decisions people were having to make about Devontae Parker versus Amari Cooper. Do I want the player on the Dolphins with an ascending offense or what we thought was an ascending offense at the time or the wide receiver that just got drafted into the black hole of fantasy, also known as the Oakland Raiders? It's a prospect paradox. So of course, I will be dumping whatever first round pick you want on your head if you're going to give me Dante Moncrief. My God man. Then the other question is, well, is Andrew Luck overrated? Maybe he's tethered to Andrew Luck, but maybe Andrew Luck's just overrated. I heard that a lot. Andrew Luck's getting shredded right now. Andrew Luck's twenty-six years old, and the twenty-six year old quarterbacks start to they start to figure it out. They start to put it together around this time. This is when they start to ascend. And it starts to happen for him. Andrew Luck had already happened for him last year. We know it happened for him. So there's there's no doubt about it. It's not like, Andrew Luck is not like Marcus Mariota or Teddy Bridgewater or Derek Carr. Even Jameis Winston. Even though I think there's very little doubt about Jameis Winston's ability and his future. But regardless, there is still some doubt. None of those players have put together a top 10 season in the NFL. In terms of fantasy. I'll say this about Andrew Luck. Is he overrated? Yes and no. That's what I would say about Andrew Luck. He is overrated in real life. Because in real life, his total QBR last year was 63.8. That was 12th in the league. 12th in the league? Andrew Luck's the best quarterback in football. No, he's not. He's not even he's not in the top five. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Andrew Luck, top five quarterback in the NFL in real football? We had this conversation multiple times over the offseason. The best quarterbacks, the most efficient quarterbacks, are Ben Roethlisberger, Aaron Rodgers, Tony Romo. Those are your top quarterbacks in terms of efficiency. Now, Tom Brady, he's back. Tom Brady's knocking on that door. He's like, hey guys, I'm really efficient too. Remember me? Oh yeah, Tom. Come on in, buddy. It's almost like you have a chip on your shoulder, Tom. What's up with that? How'd that happen? What did you do this off season to get yourself motivated and fired up? Anything, Tom? Anything happen this off season to you? No? Okay yeah, Andrew Luck, air yards per attempt, 4.1. That was 8th in the league. Passer rating, 96.5. That was 7th in the league. So these are all outside the top 5. That's the point. Because the assumption is Andrew Luck's a top 5 quarterback. And he's not. He's just not. But in fantasy, he's great for two reasons. Because his fantasy points per drop back was number 3 in the league, 0.61. Because he runs. Andrew Luck ran for 246 yards and 3 touchdowns last year. That matters a lot in fantasy. That's what takes you from... A top 10 quarterback to a top 5 quarterback in fantasy. Just that amount of rushing. That's all it takes. And huge volume. So we've talked about this so many times. 690 pass attempts last year. He was inefficient but prolific. That's what you want in fantasy. So in fantasy, I don't think he's overrated. He's a running quarterback that throws more than anyone else in the league. He might throw 700 times this year. That's exactly what you want in fantasy. He is a buying target right now in fantasy. Absolutely. But in real life, yeah, he's overrated. We don't know what he is in real life. We don't know if he's ever going to be efficient. And you need to be efficient. You can't throw 16 interceptions like he did last year. Andrew Luck, at the end of last year, turned the ball over more than Jake Cutler. And he had an excuse. He has a built-in excuse. He had Reggie Wayne. He had a rookie in Dante Moncrief. He had Reggie Wayne, who was essentially... A corpse on the field, just that they were just carting him around. And Hakeem Nix, Hakeem Nix, who's essentially also a corpse, but he's a waterlogged corpse. So he had a, just a, a dried out corpse, more of a mummy. So he had a mummy, he had a waterlogged corpse, he had a rookie, and he had a little teeny tiny awesome receiver in T.Y. Hilton. So it made sense that if given huge volume, he wasn't going to be efficient. So that for a bunch of reasons, I like Andrew Luck. He played Buffalo, then he plays the Jets, two stout defenses. There is some reason to be hopeful about Andrew Luck in fantasy. I'm just not sure what he is in real life yet. I'm not sure if, when given huge volume, he's going to be efficient. Ben Roethlisberger has shown he can do that. Tony Romo has shown he can do that. Peyton Manning earlier in his career, showed he could do that. Tom Brady showed he could do that. We haven't seen that from Andrew Luck. So I don't think Andrew Luck is capable of taking a team with with an average defense and going out and winning a Super Bowl like Peyton Manning did. I don't see that happening right now. I don't think that's possible based on what I'm seeing in terms of efficiency from Andrew Luck. But in fantasy? Yeah! This guy's an incredible fantasy option. He was the number one player... In terms of fantasy points per game last year, that's pretty good, everybody. I know it's the quarterback position, and I know it's about relative value. I get it. I know what VORP is. I understand late-round quarterback. I, I understand that tactic forwards and backwards, but he's still really good in fantasy, and there might be a buying opportunity. You might be able to do a trade, something along the lines of Carson Palmer plus Player X for Andrew Luck. That might now be on the table. We don't know. That's a trade I would like to do. That's a buy-low opportunity. A lot of these buy-low opportunities are fake because they're players like C.J. Anderson that are unproven, that have never done it for a full season. So it's an immense risk to try to trade for them in a buy-low situation. The buy-low scenario is typically a buy before he reaches zero scenario. But not Andrew Luck, not a player who we know who he is. That's different. That's when you do want to buy low. We do know what Mike Evans is. I'm comfortable and confident in my knowledge, of Mike Evans' ability. So that's a guy that if someone's willing to offer him to me for 70 cents on the dollar, I'm buying. I think there was some confusion in previous shows I said that buy low, sell high is a sucker move. It, it can be a sucker move, or it can be a smart move. It just depends on the players you're buying, as always. One of the players you don't want to buy right now, and you'd be buying high. So sometimes I like to buy high. Because a player's trending in the right direction and he's really good and you just need to buy him before his price goes up even more. Think Jordan Matthews. Think Dante Moncrief. That's a buy high situation. I'm all about buy high in those situations. I'm not buying high on Matt Jones. Matt Jones is overrated. Now, I don't not like Matt Jones. What is that? A double negative? Is that a, that was the that was a bad double negative. We try not to do double negatives on the show. We try to be try to raise the the level of discourse, the vocabulary, the grammar. Matt Jones, overrated. Because I'm seeing Matt Jones being traded for really good players that are full-blown starters. Matt Jones is, at best, in a 50-50 timeshare with Alfred Morris. At worst, he's a distant backup to Alfred Morris. He's also not the pass-catching back. The passing-down back for the Washington Redskins is Chris Thompson. It's not Matt Jones. Chris Thompson's still getting significant snaps. But Washington last week was ahead, and they were leaning on a lead in the second half. They were milking the lead. So Matt Jones broke a big run and benefited from game flow. It's the randomness we talk about. There are so many random events and outcomes on the football field. Matt Jones was the beneficiary of the random events and outcomes on the football field in week two. He benefited from seeing defensive fronts, that were advantageous for a running back, number one. And number two, he benefited from game flow receiving 10-plus carries in a game that he was splitting carries evenly with Alfred Morris. That's just not going to happen again. Why is it not going to happen again? Because it's Washington! Because it's the Kirk Cousins offense! Now, Kirk Cousins is good. He's not good. Why do I keep calling Kirk Cousins good? That's such a weird thing to say. As it tumbles from my lips, I, I cringe like I just ate a lemon. Like, Kirk Cousins is good. Who, why would you say that? That's crazy. No, he's not good. That was a mistake. I misspoke. He's not good. I always think of Kirk Cousins as good because I'm always thinking relatively in my mind. He's good compared to Robert Griffin III. Robert Griffin III, after his rookie year, may have been the most overrated quarterback Ever. In the history of the NFL, Robert Griffin was never good. He was never a good passer, ever. He just wasn't good. He was a, a a spread option gimmick quarterback at Baylor, and he never evolved into anything else. He never got on that Marcus Mariota track toward being a real NFL quarterback. And if you listen to Chris Cooley and others that are around that organization, what you hear is that he just never had any interest in it. He always thought that he was smarter than the coaches and that he could figure it out. And then one day he realized he couldn't figure it out anymore. He was getting crushed by defenders regularly and then benched. Kirk Cousins is awesome compared to Robert Griffin III. Kirk Cousins is mediocre compared to other NFL quarterbacks. But he's still a huge upgrade for the Washington skill position players. That's why on the playerprofiler.com rankings this week, we have Pierre Garçon in the top 20 and Jordan Reed in the top five. But that doesn't mean Matt Jones should be in the top 20. It doesn't extend to Matt Jones because Matt Jones is the backup to Alfred Blue on a bottom 10 offense in the NFL. A backup running back on a bottom 10 offense is never a stash candidate ever so if you have him you should be trying to trade him because his value will likely never be higher than it is today unless alfred morris gets hurt yes of course i know yes someone could get hurt yes alfred morris could get hurt yes it could happen it hasn't happened yet he's never been hurt but this could next week week three could be the game yes okay and then i'm wrong okay Vaughn, you were wrong oh no sport has more random outcomes random events that happen on the field of play than football. So I'm going to be wrong a lot. If I'm right, 55% of the time, that's a win with such a random sport with such low sample sizes. So few games, 16 games, that's nothing. This was baseball, they were playing 160 games. Yeah, my hit rate would need to be a lot better, but it's football. And Matt Jones isn't a player that I'm excited about. I'd much rather stash Josh Robinson, who would be the every-down bell cow in one of the highest-volume offenses in the NFL. That would be exciting. We saw on Monday Night Football Josh Robinson had a couple nifty catches out of the backfield. He's a pretty good receiver. He's at least adequate, if not good. His ceiling is 7,000 million, trillion, billion times higher than Matt Jones because Matt Jones doesn't have a ceiling. Matt Jones is living in a crawl space. I made myself laugh there. Sorry. It's unprofessional. Keep a straight face. I'd much rather have Damian Williams because Lamar Miller is hurt right now. Damian Williams has a better all around skill set than Matt Jones and plays in a much better offense. I'd rather have James Starks because Eddie Lacey's hurt right now and Green Bay's a much better offense. I'd much rather have Dexter McCluster. Just kidding. Come on. Not Dex. Come on. You guys really thought I was going to say Dexter McCluster? Come on. I'm not going to say Dexter McCluster. Dexter McCluster, if Matt Jones is living in a crawl space in terms of having no ceiling to speak of, Dexter McCluster is the dead body that's buried underneath Matt Jones in the crawl space. So yes, in that situation, I would rather have Matt Jones because there's going to be very few games in which Dexter McCluster out Bishop Sankey. I mean, maybe... Maybe, but Dexter McCluster has a long history of having a game or two where he becomes the two-minute drill back for an extended period of time, gets a bunch of touches, and looks exciting, and you never hear from him again. So I think that's safe to just walk away from that one. But yes, there's three guys, Josh Robinson, Damian Williams, and James Starks, who I would rather have than Matt Jones simply because... The incumbent starters on those teams are hurt, and those teams are better than Washington. It's that simple. You don't need to overthink it. You actually don't even need to go to the Matt Jones profile on playerprofiler.com. You can. And Matt Jones is comparable to Le'Veon Bell. He is a poor man's Le'Veon Bell. He's got great size-adjusted agility, one of the best size-adjusted agility scores you're going to see in the NFL. He's a big guy who's nimble, but he wasn't particularly productive at the college level. He wasn't particularly efficient at the college level, 4.9 yards per carry. He's old for a rookie, almost 23 years old. So there's a lot not to like about Matt Jones. There's a lot of red flags on the profile to go along with this size-adjusted agility, which is really good. So he's got this one feature that's really good. And you also see on the field, he's able to translate his athleticism onto the field. So you have those two things going for you with Matt Jones. That's exciting. So there's some excitement about Matt Jones. He's also like... Josh Robinson, an adequate receiver. But again, he's stuck behind Alfred Morris on Washington. Kind of nullifies the size-adjusted agility when that is true. Now, we talked about Mike Evans earlier. I want to get back to this because... So I have some friends, lots of friends, and they all have varying levels of football competence and knowledge and understanding of fantasy football. So a buddy of mine was talking to me about the NFL, and football, and fantasy football, and he asked me, hey, do you have that Mike Evans guy? Because this is a friend of mine who was involved in fantasy football, got a family, got married, had a bunch of kids, and was marginalized from fantasy football, just as life got in the way, in a a good way, family and, and children are good, and... He hasn't been paying nearly as close attention to the NFL and fantasy football as he did, say, five years ago. He said, hey, do you own that Mike Evans guy? And I said, uh, yeah, I kind of own him everywhere in every league. I love him, and it's disappointing. It's been a challenging first couple weeks. He's like, you know, Tampa Bay is the place where second-year wide receivers named Mike go to bust." I said, what are you talking about? He goes, think about it. Think about all the, the exciting rookies that Tampa Bay has had named Mike that imploded in their second year. Mike Williams. Go back even farther. Michael Clayton, nicknamed Mike. I don't think anyone calls him Michael Clayton, but we'll just call him Mike Clayton for the purposes of this exercise. Now Mike Evans, second year bust Mikes. That's what Tampa Bay's known for. <laughs> I was like, he said this with a straight face. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. And I said, yeah. I said, you know what? What you just said gives me so much confidence in what I do every day. And he also talked about the Saints. He said, well, the Saints, they must be the worst team in the league because they lost to the Bucs. And the Bucs lost to the Titans. And the Titans lost to the Browns. So the Saints must be the worst team in the league. This is what he was doing. He, he hit me with the second-year bust Mike theory. Then he hit me with the old transitive property, the NFL transitive property fallacy that because this team lost to this team, that lost to this team, that lost to this team, that this team must be the worst in the NFL, or this team must be the best in the NFL. Here's another transitive property that I gave him. Jacksonville beat Miami. Miami beat Washington. Washington beat St. Louis. St. Louis beat Seattle. Does that mean Jacksonville's better than Seattle? No. Why? Because the transitive property doesn't work, especially early in the season, because there are so many... Random events and outcomes that occur on the football field. One good team losing to a bad team breaks that transitive property loop every time. But this is what we do. Because we only have games on Thursday, Sunday, and Monday. All those other days, we're just spinning our wheels thinking about these crazy theories about players named Mike and going through these transitive property exercises, which are just bogus. But yes, I'll, I'll I'll break this news right now. Break the news. <laughs> Seattle is better than all those teams I just listed. Yes, quite obviously. Yeah, those two straight Super Bowls. Yeah, that that kind of matters. And Mike Evans will be fine. I'd say go trade for him. But if you're drafting Mike Evans, if you're a person who's out there targeting Mike Evans, you probably already know... What you're doing, right? You already own him, probably. If you listen to this show, you probably already own Mike Evans. And if you don't own Mike Evans and you listen to this show, you've probably already gone out and tried to trade for him. And if you do own Mike Evans and people are trying to trade for him, you also have conviction in Mike Evans enough that you won't even think about selling low at this point. So Mike Evans will be fine. And as it relates to Mike Evans, we are all going to be fine. We had a buzzard right in. Chip Kelly really think he could change Mark Sanchez uh, buzzard. So this is my favorite. The buzzard writes in with no context whatsoever and then gets the name wrong. It's Sam Bradford, not Mark Sanchez. And the answer is yes. Chip Kelly, he's great in that we love that he shares with us how the mechanics behind the West Coast offense work and, in general, how NFL offensive systems work. But last year, Chip Kelly assumed he could change Mark Sanchez and make him efficient. He couldn't. Did he really think he could change Sam Bradford? Yes, I think he did. And no, he can't. But Chip Kelly said this week, everyone will be evaluated. Ever. We're reevaluating everybody. Really? Really, Chip? You didn't evaluate everyone in August? What were you doing in August? Were you asleep? You're taking Naps? In the afternoon, are you evaluating? What are you doing? How old are you? Did you just turn 95? Where you been, buddy? We're almost into October. You need to evaluate everybody. You should have evaluated them all two months ago. Maybe you should have done a better job of evaluating Deshaun Jackson. Maybe you should have evaluated LaShawn McCoy better. Maybe you should have evaluated Evan Mathis better. Maybe you should have evaluated Jeremy Macklin better. I don't know. Your guard play should have been better evaluated. How about that? I don't think you can evaluate offensive line play because... The Eagles offensive line run-blocking efficiency is dead last in the league. And I don't see it getting better. It's why I'm worried about DeMarco Murray. Very worried. And people ask me this all the time. Well, geez, you know, based on all the advice you're giving and you clearly hit on Dante Moncrief and all these players, your team's almost be 2-0, and right? No, no. If you're wondering, my teams are not doing well. I only bring this up because of DeMarco Murray my teams aren't doing well at all in case you're wondering I know you're not wondering again I've said this in multiple shows I will say it again as an apology on the front end because I know you don't want to hear about my fantasy team but on a show like this about fantasy football once in a while I will indulge myself by talking about my own fantasy teams because here's who I drafted in the first round this year Des Bryant DeMarco Murray Eddie Lacey how you doing yeah not good Second round, I drafted Jordy Nelson and Calvin Johnson in most leagues. Oh, whoa. Problematic. Third round, Randall Cobb, Mike Evans, Jordan Matthews. So, yeah. I There are leagues, I think, off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly, but where I own Des Bryant, Jordy Nelson, and Mike Evans. So, if I didn't draft a running back, there's a good chance that's the combination of receivers that I ended up with. And that's, <sighs> wow. Yeah, could be better could be a lot better but uh, so I'm not doing that well people keep asking me for advice you know give me advice on this give me advice on that dance clown give us advice right and I'm sitting there looking at all my fantasy teams some of them are Owen two and I'm like well, why why would you want my advice I'm not good at this don't you understand I stink at this I drafted Des Bryant I didn't foresee his foot injury I drafted Jordy Nelson I didn't see his torn ACL happening I drafted Mike Evans. I didn't see him pulling a hamstring and then posting zero fantasy points. I drafted Charles Johnson in leagues. I didn't see him posting back-to-back underwhelming performances. Now the problem with Charles Johnson is we're going into a week where he's facing the second most stingy defense for wide receivers in fantasy, San Diego. Then he faces Denver, the worst defense to face for fantasy wide receivers. Then he has a bye. So it's hard to imagine it getting better for Charles Johnson. I also stayed away from Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron, who I was so wrong about. This guy isn't top five player, but he's absolutely my biggest miss was Eric Ebron because I didn't see this happening with Eric Ebron. I saw huge inefficiency. And you can go to Roto Underworld Radio on YouTube and you can Google Eric Ebron, Roto Underworld Radio, and I have multiple clips just shredding Eric Ebron because he was so inefficient last year. He was inefficient to such an extent to such a mind-blowing extent that I couldn't imagine him turning it around. Particularly in the red zone, I was horrified by his red zone efficiency. And then what has he done in 2015? Completely turned it around. Touchdown after touchdown. Red zone efficiency. Complete reversal. The thesis behind buying Eric Ebron in the offseason was that he would be the Lions' number three receiver. That the Lions don't have a number three receiver. Talk about Lance Moore, Corey Fuller. Those don't count. Eric Ebron. So he was a volume play headed into the season with unknown efficiency. Because he was a rookie tight end, you had to take last year's efficiency with a grain of salt. Can't simply roll it over into 2015 and assume it's going to be as bad, as abysmal. But I didn't see him completely reversing his inefficiency from 2014, but that's what he's done this year. So now he's taking seven and a half targets a game and being efficient with them. That's why I need to play him in daily this week because Detroit is playing Denver. Denver has the best corners in the NFL. So they're going to be forced to throw the ball to Eric Ebron, particularly in the red zone. So that's my thesis around buying Eric Ebron now, but also playing him specifically this week. A very counterintuitive play against a team with a great pass defense. So that's my free advice. Free advice! Want more free advice? More free advice from a loser fantasy player? Because that's what you're doing right now. You're listening to this show trying to get free advice from a loser. Really, that's what it is. And that's what people on Twitter want. Oh, the Buzzards on Twitter, they are the worst asking for free advice. What they think they're entitled to, fantasy gamers on Twitter, it is mind-blowing. It blows my mind. Are you ever going to talk about players that can help my fantasy team? We opened the show with this. Ever thought about giving advice about a player not named Dante Moncrief? The entitlement that I see every day from fantasy gamers asking for free advice as if I have nothing better to do but just dispense free advice. they think that I'm an ATM, that I'm just sitting there. I am an electronic box with buttons. Beep, 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 beep. And they just think they can waltz up to me and just hit buttons. What fantasy receiver? Beep, 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 Should I trade player X for player Y? Beep, 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 Here you go. I'm just a dispenser. That's all I am. Weird. You ask people, hey, you know, if I'm going to sit down and evaluate your roster and help you make some trades, you should sign up for this concierge service. Go to playerprofiler.com forward slash concierge. Sign up. Pay for advice? <laughs> All kinds of free advice out there. I'm not paying for advice from some guy with an 0-2 fantasy team. Can you prove that your advice is better than other people's advice? Maybe then I'll pay for it. Get out of here. Leave my sphere. Do not come back. More free advice. Here's some free advice for you suckas. Buy Quincy Inunua. Get your hands on Quincy Inunua. He will be Ryan Fitzpatrick's number two receiver this Sunday. This means five to ten targets, and he's a truly explosive talent. On playerprofiler.com, Quincy Anunua's best comparable player is Josh Gordon. But there's recency bias. People saw him drop a couple passes on Monday Night Football, and they think he's just that guy that goes out and drops passes. He's raw. They also get him confused with Chris Owusu, the other guy with more vowels than consonants in his name. That's what we should call Chris Owusu, the big vowel. Can I trademark that? A nickname for Chris Owusu be the worst nickname ever. Then people say, oh, Devin Smith. No. Playerprofiler.com, Devin Smith, Dominator rating. That's all I need to say. The Quincy Anunwa party could happen this week. Oh, yes. If he scores a touchdown this Sunday, we will be putting some champagne on ice in the club. Got a stereo track bonus for everyone that listens to the show on SoundCloud. Vivian Kelly has some Dante Moncrief analysis for you. We'll send you out with this. Feed Moncrief. Feed Moncrief. Feed Moncrief.